0: A question for you, have you ever done something that was foolish? Something that you wish you could roll the tape back on? (laughs) Somebody's like, yeah, amen, I like this. Yeah, we've all done a little of that. You know, a couple of years ago, I got up, I boldly preached one of my favorite sermons. And when I realized after the 11 o'clock service that I was done, I looked down and my fly was unzipped. I said to some of our team, I was like, look, you got to look out for the pastor. Come on, man. They're like, pastor, we didn't want to embarrass you. And I'm like, well, what's worse? One dude whispering in my ear before the worship experience or a whole crowd of people in a room full of video cameras observing my foolish mistake. Gina and I were laughing a little bit about that this week. We were talking about foolish things we've done. She reminded me, she said I could tell you about one of her foolish uh, things that she said a few years ago. We had this family we were inviting to church. And the family, the boy, their, their son played basketball with our son. And we've been inviting him and they finally came to church. And then Gina said to the boy's dad, Hey, it was great to see your mom at the basketball game last weekend. I sat by her, had the nicest visit with her. And he said, oh, that's not, that's not my mom, that's my wife. They never came back to church, I don't know. Do you ever wish you could go back and do it again? My wife's so sweet, she didn't sleep well for three weeks after that. I mean, she felt so bad about that. Maybe you have some moments where you said something or did something that was foolish. <clears throat> and uh, today we're talking about what it is to be a fool. Now you may think, well, Pastor, I want to hear something positive and encouraging. I'll get to that in just a minute. But a big part of the book of Proverbs <clears throat> is a contrast between wisdom and foolishness. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what it means to live a life of wisdom. Today, I want to talk to you about how to be a great fool, how to really mess your life up. And sometimes we think of a fool as like a a clever guy in the Shakespearean play, like a jester who has uh, bells on his cap and carries a mock scepter and wears a quilted shirt. But when the scripture speaks about somebody who's a fool, it's something that's far more serious. It's somebody who is unwilling to obey or unable to follow God's guidelines For their life. It's somebody who exercises poor judgment in the decisions that they make and they leave God out of the equation. And the writer of Proverbs writing thousands of years ago calls this a fool, a fool who exercises this poor judgment. Well, Proverbs chapter 26 is a whole chapter of the Bible that outlines foolish living. And there's at least four types of fools in Proverbs 26. I want to outline these for you today because the four fools of Proverbs 26 are the rebel, the egomaniac, the slacker, and the gossip. And I want to go verse by verse through this great chapter and talk about each one of these because God wants us to be people that are full of wisdom. You see, you're facing some situations in your life right now and you desperately need the wisdom of God you need to know what God specifically wants you to do and if we get caught up in one of these four examples of being a fool we can't complete God's plan for our lives we can't fulfill God's destiny we can't do the purposes that God has for us so it's a big deal and i know some of you are like really on on the edge as you're making a decision. You got a big decision this week. You got a you got a deadline. You have a choice that you're trying to make and you're really praying. You're really asking the Lord, "God, do you want me to, to go this direction or do you want me to go that direction?" Well, maybe Proverbs 26 will give us a little insight into that. <clears throat> and Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, said this in Proverbs 26:1, "Like snow in summer, and rain at harvest, honor is inappropriate for a fool. So he sets up the, this kind of introductory verse to the chapter by talking about um, a, a fool. And he says, A fool is incapable of showing honor. And he contrasts that. He uses a riddle and he says that, like snow in the summer and rain in the harvest, honor is inappropriate for a fool. So it's not supposed, it's not supposed to. to to snow in the summertime, and I do know we live in Colorado, okay, so we've had a little snow sometimes that shows up here around May, June, Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe into August, September, we got a little snow, but in most places in the northern hemisphere, it does not snow in the summertime, and uh, it's not supposed to rain during the harvest, and, and any, any person 3,000 years ago would know that this was certainly not the case. You may not be thinking about harvest time right now, but ancient people did. And he says, honor is inappropriate for a fool. Just like it doesn't snow in the wintertime, a person who's foolish can't honor others. And he sets up this chapter by, by introducing this concept here with this riddle. Now, <clears throat> the, first, the first fool that's introduced is what I call the rebel fool. Look at that. The rebel fool resists following authority. And if we're going to be people of wisdom, we have to learn to get under what God has put over us so we can get over what God has put under us. we got to be people who resist the temptation to be a rebel fool. And in verse 3, Solomon uh, says to us, A whip for the horse a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the backs of fools. If you're a rebel, you have to be forced to do what is right. I don't know if you've ever tried to ride a horse that is unbroken. Um, The last couple of times I've done some horseback riding, which is not very often, but every once in a while I ride some horses. They always give me the ornery horse. I always get the horse that is bent on going his own way. And you know, horses are stubborn, aren't they? I mean they can be awful. Beasts of an animal and they're strong too. And you're trying to wrestle them. I don't know, maybe it's the way I look. You know, with, with the group they're like, "We're going to give this we're going to give this guy the full horse, you know?" And 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 it's tough sometimes. It's tough to put that bit in that mouth and to try to guide and to lead and to kick that horse and to get him to submit. And and uh, Solomon says, "A whip for the horse." A bridle for the donkey and the rod for the backs of fools. Well, you know, a, a horse or a donkey that is unbroken and unbridled, who is rebellious in his nature, is hard, it's hard to get him to do what's, what's the right thing. And he says the same as a fool. A fool has to be compelled or forced to do what is right. They only do what's right when they have to. And a rebel withstands discipline and is undisciplined. Uh, in verse four, he goes on and he says, "Don't answer a fool according to his foolishness, or you'll be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his foolishness, or he'll become wise in his own eyes." And sometimes people read the Bible and they say, "Well, see, this is a contradiction. This, this, this is two opposite concepts." It says, first of all, it says, "Don't answer the fool." And then it says, answer a fool. So what is it? Well, in proverbial wisdom, oftentimes uh, the, the writer will take two opposite concepts and will put them together. And what Solomon is saying to us is that it is wisdom to read the situation. When you're talking to somebody who's foolish, there is a time to just be quiet and just let people be stupid. You know, you can just be quiet and listen and watch and you don't always have to thump somebody on the head, but there are some other times when you need to say something, right? And so wisdom has it that we would confront that maybe we thump somebody on the head every once in a while when it's the appropriate time. And then there's other times when we just don't say anything and we just ignore it and we just move on and focus on something else and so this is what this is what uh, Solomon is saying to us in regards to handling a fool don't answer a fool according to his foolishness or you'll be like him yourself answer a fool according to his foolishness or he'll become wise in his own eyes wise in his own eyes Uh, a, a rebel is also an unreliable person It's somebody that you cannot count on. Maybe you work with somebody and you ask them to help or you give them an assignment or a task. And you just know when when the words come out of your mouth, would you do this? You know it's not going to happen. What do you do? Look at verse 6. The one who sends a message by a fool's hand cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. In other words, when you trust or rely on someone who is not reliable... They're going to mess it up. And in the ancient world, they didn't have email. They didn't have Facebook Messenger. They didn't have text messaging. So you sent messages a lot of times with the messenger. Sometimes you might have a very important message that needs to be conveyed to another party. And and if someone is a fool and they got the message and they get distracted along the way or they give the message to the wrong person or they forget to show up or... They lose the message along the journey. Then, then then it could really mess up your plans. It could create a big problem. And he says, listen, don't, don't trust foolish people. Uh, somebody who's a rebel uh, is unreliable. You can't rely on them. And he also says rebels are stuck in negative patterns. Now look at this. As a dog returns to his vomit, so also a fool repeats his foolishness. Now do we have some dog lovers here? Anybody relate to this? Anybody got a dog? Do dogs do some silly things sometimes? Yes, that's true. Dogs do. And he says rebellious people are like dogs that return to the vomit. In other words, it's hard to break patterns that we have had for years and years and years. It's hard to break negative patterns in our life. And there's just something about going back to what's familiar. Going back to what we have always done before. It may be going back to what we've even seen our family members do. You know, maybe you're, you have a family history of addiction. And, and you struggle with some addiction issues. And, and you just go back and repeat the pattern that you've seen from previous generations or maybe it's patterns of thinking maybe you lack self-confidence maybe you lack courage and strength and you've always been insecure and you've always doubted yourself tremendously and so when you get into a hard place you you you, you play the tape back and, and you're, you're like a dog going back to the vomit because it's hard to change it, it, it's hard to do something that's different and the same is true with the rebel Somebody who has a pattern of rebellious living, it is hard to change. In fact, most people in their life don't change very much. That sounds kind of sad, doesn't it? It really is true, though. I mean, most people do what they've always done. But you know what? We got some great news today because with the power of Jesus, we have the capability to experience powerful And significant change in our life and we don't have to be the dog that goes back to the vomit that thinks and does what we have always done before because we have the power of Christ so we don't have to live in this rebellious pattern you know I've I've always done this I've always thought this way Uh, teenagers it's so much better to get into a positive pattern of living under authority rather than living a rebellious life and then trying to change it later. lot harder. lot harder. You know, sometimes when you're 16, 17 years old, it's easy to think, I'm going to do the opposite of everything that my mom and dad tell me to do. You know, if they tell me to go to the left, I'm going to go to the right. That's the way it is but we establish these patterns in our life and then when we wise up and we see the error of our ways it's hard to unwind all of these all of these old old patterns all of this old going back to the old vomit it just gets really difficult what if we just submitted to God and to authority in our life from the beginning Instead of establishing these really, really destructive patterns, what would it be like? People who are rebellious are not teachable. They don't listen. Adults can be foolish and rebellious too. That's why some people bounce from job to job to job. Because people can't get under authority. Sometimes people will bounce from church to church to church because they cannot get under authority. We have that rebellious spirit about us. Well, what is the remedy Um, God wants us to submit to Him. Uh, The remedy is submitting to God. We need God in our life. God is the moral compass of our lives. God gives us a true north when we're not exactly certain what is right and what is wrong. And we see in our country the rise of atheism and agnosticism. In fact, in 2003... About 11% of the people in our country identified as no religious orientation, atheist, agnostic, or no religion. And then in 2018, that's 15 years later, that number had spiked to 21%. And that's been a few years ago. I'm just kind of guessing, I'm throwing this out, that probably a quarter of our country does not believe in God. Or is an agnostic, atheist, or, or has no religious affiliation. And you may think, well, Pastor, what difference does that make? Well, it makes a big difference. And, and according to the Proverbs, w- the wisdom of God is critical for us in making decisions. If we don't even believe that God exists... Or, or we have no idea who God is, then how do we have a moral compass? How do we know what is right and what is wrong? How do we know what is truth and what is error? How do we know what is good and what is bad? And sometimes people will say, well, you know, I can be a good person, but I don't have to believe in God. Well, how do you really know what's right and what's wrong? Because what what you think is right May be totally different from what somebody else thinks is right. So one person thinks that cheating a little bit's okay, and another person thinks that lying a little bit is is okay, and another person has this version of whatever it may be, and it creates a moral confusion in our culture. And we wonder why do we have so many conflicts? Why do we have so many problems? Why do we have so many so many social issues that can't be resolved? A lot of the root of that is that we don't have the fear of God. We don't have a compass. We, we don't have a direction. And, and we're fooling ourselves. And we're rebelling against the standards and the teachings of God because we're resisting His authority in our lives. It creates huge problems. Uh, Solomon moves on and he, he not only mentions the rebel who resists following authority, but he mentions, mentions the egomaniac who, uh, who values their own ideas more than God. More than God's ideas. And look at that in verse 12. Do you see a person who's wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now to be wise in your own eyes means that That you believe your version of the truth is more significant than what God says. You believe that what your opinion is is superior to what everybody else says. I'm wise in my own eyes. In the book of Judges in the Old Testament, there was mass chaos among the people of God and one of the commentaries in the book of Judges is that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. See, when we're all doing our own thing, doing our own deal, going our own direction, the proverb says that's foolishness. We need God. We need God. We, we, we can't esteem our values. Over God's values. God is the creator of heaven and earth. God knows more about what is right and what is wrong and what is good and true more than anybody. And so he says here in verse 12, do you see a person who's wise in his own eyes? There's, there's more hope for a fool than for him. What would our life be like if we made decisions based on what God says rather than what our own opinions were? You know, we have a lot of hot sports opinions, don't we? Come on, somebody. We got some preferences. We got our, our way of doing it. How many of you got your version, you know? Oh, yeah, we all got that. But what if God was at the top of that equation? What if we consulted the counsel and the wisdom of God before we made any decision? And listen, faith is the ability to follow God, even when you don't understand why he has said certain things. That's how you know you're walking in faith. God, this is my preference. This is my feelings. This is what, this is what I want to do. But Lord, I know you have said otherwise. I am trusting you I'm going to do what you said, Lord, even though it kind of rubs against everything that I want to do. I am trusting in you. The Bible calls that wisdom. Wisdom. That's strength and vitality. And by the way, the blessings of God flow from wise living. You see, a lot of times we we want to have the blessing of God, but we don't want to live by the wisdom of God. If you want the hand of God to bless your family and to bless your life, follow what God has said. Don't be a fool. Now, there's a little bit of folly in all of us because there's a tendency for us to all think we got it going on and we know what's right, you know? You know, do we pray before we make critical decisions? Do we examine scripture before we make significant choices? Are we living under the authority of God or are we wise in our own eyes? Now, have you ever tried to work with somebody who thought they knew the answer to every single situation right in their own eyes? Have you ever been married to somebody? Come on, don't don't elbow somebody. Have you ever been married to somebody that thought they knew what was right every time what they did, what was right in their own eyes? Um, the egomaniac is a person who is bold, conceited, cares only about self, is self-exalting, promotes his own thing, has trouble working with the team, is arrogant, knows the answer to every solution, and and a lot of times the egomaniac has some leadership ability, but it's tainted by all of the all of the hot opinions that this individual has and and it's called foolishness she's often the driving force between divisions in the office in our communities in our schools and in our churches you know sometimes foolish living can creep even into the house of God and we have to be careful to to keep (coughs) to keep foolishness and to keep foolish living and choices apart from the house of God. We don't, want, we don't want the house of God to be run foolishly. We want the wisdom of God, don't we? Sometimes it can even happen in a church. What is the remedy? Well, if the remedy is, is humility and seeing how much I need Jesus. You know, that's wisdom. The person who says, I am desperate for God's help, guess what that is? That's wisdom. Foolishness. I have, all the, I have all the answers. I got all the solutions. I know exactly what to do by myself. Wisdom. I need God to lead me and direct me. Foolishness. I don't need God. I got experience. I'm sophisticated. I'm intelligent. I got connections. Do you see the difference? We need, we need Jesus, man. Daily, I need to be asking God what his plan is for his help. And I need to be telling him, God, I need your intervention. God, I need your leadership. God, I'm in over my head. Lord, if I don't have you directing and leading me, I absolutely don't know what to do. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Woo. So there's the egomaniac, but there's also the slacker, the slacker fool. Looks for the easiest way to get by. I mean, what is the least I can do to kind of slither on by? What's the lowest grade I can make? I grew up watching some slacker movies. Do you guys ever watch slacker movies? I'm talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Did you ever see that masterpiece? Wayne's World, The Breakfast Club. The School of Rock, that was Jack Black's greatest movie, I think. That was his greatest, uh, greatest, uh, uh, his greatest contribution to film. He's the lazy rocker that wants to sleep all day and then play music at night. But the greatest slacker movie ever is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Did you guys see that? I am a proud Gen Xer. I will just confess that to you today. I, I love being Gen X. I mean, I'm I'm proud. Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out at the movie theater, you know, just in the last couple of months, and I thought we need to culture our children. So I took my teenagers to the movies. We went to the movie theater down the street here, and we went and saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's from 1986, but you know. I was like, my kids, they just need to be introduced to some of the finer things in life. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is like, it's a great film. It's about a guy who skips school. This is what every high school student wants to do. Skip school with your best friend and your girlfriend in a Ferrari. Is there any great... Did you always want to do that and maybe never had the courage? Yeah. I thought about it, but I didn't know anybody that had a Ferrari, so I don't know. So. It's a great film. It's all about being a slacker. Well, <laughs> Proverbs challenges us to not be lazy. You see, the problem is we struggle with the love of ease. You know, there, there's kind of a part of us that wants to do what's easy. Why do I want to do something that's hard? I want to do something that, that, that's pleasant. Sometimes following the Lord, sometimes following God's wisdom in your life is a challenge. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult to do what is right. Sometimes there's a cost that's involved. But we love what's easy. So sometimes it's easy to fall into negligence. Or to fail to give effort. To miss deadlines. To disregard responsibilities. One of the values of Edge Church is excellence we want to raise the bar in our church culture we want god to have the very best that's why if you're on one of the serve teams we want you to be here early if you're teaching in the kids ministry or the youth ministry we want you to learn your lesson if you're playing in the band we want you to know the notes you know we want to give god what is our best we don't want to We don't want to be sloppy. We want to have a standard of excellence. We want God to have the very best that we have. Now let's look here at verse 13. Let's see what Proverbs 26 says to us. The slacker says, there's a lion in the road, a lion in the public square. A door turns on his hinges and a slacker on his bed. The slacker buries his hand in a bowl. But he's too weary to bring it to his mouth. In his own eyes, a slacker is wiser than seven who can answer sensibly. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, but I love verse 13. Look at it again. There's a lion in the road in the public square. The slacker is making things up because he's lazy, he has a vivid imagination. I really want to stay home and play 2K. There's a lion out there. Somebody says, no, that was a Siamese kitty. Oh, I think it was a lion. He's got this vivid imagination. He's making things up so he can slack. There was a little bit of precipitation on the road. I can't get to work. I came into contact with somebody who may have had coronavirus six months ago. I'm on quarantine. There's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the public square. And then he says the door turns on his hinges and a slacker on his bed. In other words, the slacker, the slacker doesn't go anywhere. You know, just like a door on a hinge, it just swings. Okay, okay. So the slacker's in bed and he turns this way. And then the slacker's like, I don't want to get up. And then he turns over this way. And he just turns in his bed because he wants to sleep all the time. Sometimes sleep can be the enemy of productivity and godliness. (laughs) Do you see it? And then in verse uh, 16, in his own eyes, a slacker is wiser than seven who can answer sensibly. I mean, you cannot... You cannot reason with the slacker. Seven people are saying, No, that's not right. And the slacker's like, I, I got my own ideas. I'm doing my own. I don't listen to anybody. I'm wiser than all you fools. I got it going on. <laughs> but look at verse 15 again. The slacker buries his hand in a bowl, and he's too weary to bring it to his mouth. I mean, he can't finish what he's trying to start. See, slackers start things they can't finish them. That's why people go from diet to diet to diet, and sometimes our time with God is like that. You know, we we start having that daily prayer time and reading Scripture, and then we do that for a week, but then we get distracted, and 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 we get our hand in the bowl, but we can't pull the we can't pull what's in the the bowl out and and, and and put it to our mouth because we have a we have trouble finishing and 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 we slack. Uh, the sluggard doesn't finish what she starts. He has this vivid imagination. He doesn't listen to counsel. Just on and on and on. You know it's easy to be lazy. You know why? Because we can actually be busy and be lazy. Did you know that? Sometimes we look at our schedule and we're like, I'm so busy. You can fill your calendar up with a hundred thousand different things. Just because you are doing this on the treadmill of life doesn't mean that you are being responsible or doing what God has purposed for you to do. You can be busy doing silly things. Busy bodies do what they like to do rather than what they need to do. You know, maybe your boss says to you, I need you to get these four things done and you pick the one that you love to do and you focus on that. And even though you know you have responsibility over the other three things, because you're lazy, you just do the one thing that you enjoy. But what you need to do is the other three things. People who who are wise... Don't do what they just enjoy doing, they do what they have to do. Do you see it? This is the sluggard. You know, as a parent, it's easy to be a lazy parent because we're living in a time where our kids have more choices and more, there's more things that kids can get into today than I think any other time that I I'm aware of, at least. There's so many paths. So many deceptions, so many traps, so many lies that are out there. Man, if you're a parent today, you have your hands full. And it's hard sometimes to bring up some of the things that parents need to talk to kids about. But it's easier to just let it go. I'll just hope that somebody talks to my kids about fill in the blank. And that they kind of figure it out on the way. Because I don't want to have those hard talks. I don't want to talk about those issues that are uncomfortable and are unpleasant sometimes. And we can kind of abdicate the role of being a parent. Let's don't be lazy parents. Let's be diligent. The remedy is we replace diligence with slacking. And we live by a standard of excellence. Uh, that's why Titus 2.14 says he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. To cleanse us for, uh, for himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. You see, when you're walking with God, you are eager to do good works. You're not, you don't have time to slack. When you walk with God, it brings a discipline, it brings a focus It brings a passion. It brings a fire in your life. You're like, God's got too many good works for me to do. I can't be sleeping in. I can't be lazy. God created us for good works, Ephesians chapter 2 says. We are God's workmanship. We were created for good works. So we don't have time to be slackers. I was reading this week that only 1% of people are extraordinarily gifted at something one percent think about that that's not very many one percent it reminded me when I was a kid I was my parents were forcing me to take piano lessons and I was absolutely miserable as a musician I remember sitting there on the piano bench my back would hurt and I would constantly practice and my teacher would always tell me how much I didn't practice and I actually did practice I was just really a bad musician you know And so it sounded like I didn't practice. And my little brother, who was three years younger than me, who had never had a piano lesson, never read music, didn't know anything about the piano, would sit down and play the song that I was trying to play by ear. And then we would go to piano lessons, and the teacher, when he started a little bit later... the the, the, the teacher would commend him for practicing even though he never practiced and would rebuke me for not practicing even though I practice all the time. What was the difference? He was gifted and I wasn't. But if only 1% of people are extraordinarily gifted in an area, that means 99% of us have to work hard, doesn't it? Not everything is going to be given to us. And it's godly. It is a godly thing to be diligent. It's a godly thing to get your education. It's a godly thing to work hard. By the way, it feels good to work hard, doesn't it? It's it's part of not being the sluggard. And Proverbs commends it. Because we can be lazy and busy at the same time. So the slacker fool looks for the easiest way to get by. That's foolish living. I'm going to do the least. Number four, the gossip fool provokes people by their words. Okay? Now Rick Warren has a great quote. I heard him say a long time ago that gossip is when you're not a part of the problem or the solution, but you're talking about it. Okay, gossip. Proverbs 26, 17, a person who's passing by and meddles. In a quarrel that's not his is like one who grabs a dog by the ears. And another translation puts the word stray dog in there. I love that. Let me ask you a question, Church. You guys look like smart people. If you go grab a stray dog's ears and pull on them real hard, what's gonna happen? You're gonna probably get bitten. Is that right? Yeah. In in other words, don't be provocative. Solomon writes, don't, don't be a provocateur. Don't provoke situations. When you gossip, you provoke. When you join in to all the chit chat at the office, guess what? You're provoking. And, and, and you're going to bring the devil out of people because they're provoked. When you gossip about people, you're yanking on their ears. It, 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 it's going to be ugly, it's going to be nasty. You're saying, listen, avoid being provocative. Verse 18, like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows, so is a person who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Uh, Without wood, fire goes out. Without gossip, conflict dies down. As a charcoal for embers and wood for fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. So when we gossip, what are we doing? We're taking wood and we're putting it on the fire. Every time we chime in, every time we add our two cents, every time we, well, tell me more. Come on. Oh, you're leaving this job? Tell me all the reasons why you hate our boss. Let me just take another log and put it on the fire. Let me take a propane tank and let me set it on the fire. And the flames rage on. And on and on. Do you see the wisdom here? Without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. If when, when gossip comes up and we refuse to participate in it, guess what happens? The fire goes out. If you have a campfire and you don't put enough logs or sticks on the fire, what eventually happens? It goes out, doesn't it? What if the next time somebody came to you all excited to gossip, you just walked away? Instead of asking 10 questions, well, tell me, well, why do you feel that way? Well, you know, I felt that way too. Oh, let's talk about that. Tell me all your feelings, you know. Logs on the fire, logs on the fire. That's foolishness. Don't be a fool, be wise. Be a person of wisdom. Man, I don't want to participate in that. The next time somebody comes up and wants to tell me something, I'm going to just, I'm just going to say, I don't want to participate in that. You know? I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to be a part of it. And then you know what? It begins to, to spray the flames with a fire extinguisher. When people say, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to participate in that. Gossip makes bad things worse. And gossip is the art of confessing other people's sins, isn't it? Yep. Sometimes we dress it up like, in Christian terms, like, I need you to pray for her. Does that sound spiritual? And let me tell you the 10 reasons why you should pray for her. That's a fool. Who are we fooling? When you refuse to talk about it, it it dies down. Verse 22 goes on and says, The gossip's words are like choice foods that go down to one's innermost being. You know, the other day I had some cedar plank salmon. And you know it's a good meal when you wake up the next day and you were thinking about what you ate the day before. Is that a good meal? I'm gluten-free, so a lot of my food doesn't taste very good. We have a little saying in our household, it tastes too good to be gluten-free. That's kind of what we say. But there is this one restaurant where they have a chocolate dome, and and they put some some vegan ice cream with it, and it is actually tasty. It actually tastes wonderful. All of you gluten-filled people would love it. And sometimes I fantasize about eating really good food. I desire it. Solomon says that gossip's words are like choice food that goes down to one's innermost being. Sometimes we crave and we desire gossip just like we desire a good meal. And it reveals something that is in our heart. It, it, it It's... It's addictive, verse 22 says, smooth lips with an evil heart are like a glaze on an earthen vessel. A glaze is something that covers something up. So when I gossip, sometimes I can sound spiritual, I can sound like I really care, but really what I'm doing is I'm just trying to get the scoop and I'm putting logs on the fire. And scripture says that's a fool. That's a fool. Don't do it. Don't crave it. Don't desire it like choice foods. Run from it. Verse 24 wraps up and it says, A hateful person disguises himself with speech and harbors deceit within. When he speaks graciously, don't believe him, for there are seven detestable things in his heart. Though his hatred is concealed by deception, his evil will be revealed in the assembly, and the one who digs a pit will fall into it. You know what? When you're a fool, you dig a pit. By the things you say, by the things you do, eventually you're going to fall into the pit that you dug for yourself. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth causes ruin. Man, we need a great remedy, don't we? You know, Jesus talked about gossip in Matthew 12, 34. He said this. Out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. In other words, when I lie, when I brag, when I gossip, it reveals something that's not right in here. We tend to think it's just a a problem of the mouth. It's a problem of the heart. So when we go down the path of gossip and slander, we have to ask ourselves the question, what's not right in my heart? Is it insecurity? Is it jealousy? Is it it frustration? Is it anger? What is it? I don't want to live by that. But the great news for us today, guys, is this. Jesus is the wisdom of God for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. The wisest message that was ever given to the world is Jesus Christ. It's that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, to rise from the grave on the third day. That is the wisdom of God. And that God would change our hearts and that he would change our mouths and that he would change our minds by the power of the gospel. That is the wisdom of God. So we don't have to live as a rebel, as an egomaniac, as a slacker, and as a gossip because we have the power of Jesus that is within us. And we can choose today to walk in wisdom and to walk away from folly. Would you pray with me for just a minute?